Chapter Seventeen of France to Scandinavia by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. No sluggards need apply. Tis the voice of the sluggard I heard him complain. You have waked me too soon. I must slumber again. I walked by his garden and saw the wild briar. The thorn and the thistle grew broader and higher. If the ghost of Isaac Watts could be with me in Belgium today, he would quickly agree that the lines of his poem, The Sluggard, which I have quoted, do not apply to this kingdom. Indeed, I am amazed at the thrift I see all around me and wish that more of my countrymen would adopt the safe gospel that seems the rule here. At the close of the World War, Belgium was in a situation quite different from that of France, England, or the United States. The industrial machinery in both of the last two countries, as well as what was left of that in France, was in full swing. It had been speeded up by the war, and the foreign markets were open. Belgium, owing to the German occupation, had lost all its markets. The war had taken a large part of its workers. Some had been killed, some deported by the Germans, and many educated to idleness by the doles of their own government and the charities from the United States and other parts of the world. Before the war, Belgium had depended largely on German capital to finance her industries. After the armistice, the little kingdom awoke to find herself out of money, short of men, and with most of her industrial equipment either destroyed or carried away. What did she do? Did she play the part of the sluggard? No. She rolled up her sleeves, took her spade and hoe in hand, bent her back, dug her bare toes into the rich alluvial soil under her feet and went to work she borrowed money from her own people at home and got more from abroad on the security of the peace treaty provision that germany should pay belgium's damages in advance of those due france and the rest of the allies she instituted new taxes and surtaxes and a year after the war was over found that her national revenues were twenty million dollars more than had been estimated meanwhile she had got back the bulk of her workers and had stopped the drift toward pauperism that charity had started she raised wages put her laborers to work on the highways and railroads organized a combination of three hundred cooperative building societies and sent men to scour germany and bring back the machinery that had been taken away nearly eight thousand tons of stolen material and ninety thousand tons of machinery were recovered from germany Today, the industries of Belgium have been practically restored and the country is on its feet. But first, let me say a few words of the Belgians. They are about the busiest of all the peoples on earth. They have here a country one-fourteenth the size of California, but so thickly populated that if California could have the same number for every square mile, it would contain more people than we have in the Union. If the main body of the United States were as thickly settled as Belgium, it would have 200 million more people than are in the world today. The population here is 658 per square mile, or more than twice the density of the population of Germany, and just twice that of Great Britain and Ireland. The only country that approaches Belgium in density is Holland, which has 122 fewer people for every 640 acres inside its boundaries. Most of the Belgians live in villages, and work on the land. There are only four cities of more than 100,000 inhabitants. With its suburbs, Brussels, the largest and finest, 
is almost as big as St. Louis. Antwerp is the size of Cincinnati, and Ghent and Liege have each about the same population as Memphis. Malines has 60,000, Bruges is a bit smaller, and Ostend and Louvain are smaller still. In comparison with most of humanity, these people, so crowded together, are rich. Before the war, they put in their savings bank every year several hundred million dollars. Today, more than half of the school children have their own bank books, and the deposits of the primary students amount to upward of five dollars each. The people are well clad, and however lean they may have been during the war, they look well fed now. These Belgian farms yield twice as much grain to the acre as ours. There are patches which produce two tons of tobacco or 800 bushels of carrots per acre. I am told that prior to 1914, a farmer was able to support himself, his wife, and three children on less than three acres, and any surplus of land brought in clear profit. Belgium also has coal and iron. Before the war, it was selling iron and steel to all parts of the world, and its production of pig iron was half that of France. Liege was not hurt in the first military attack, but later the Germans shipped off to Germany first the copper, then the machine tools, and finally the full equipment of whole plants and factories whose owners and operators refused to work them for the enemy. Before the war, Belgium had 54 blast furnaces, and at its close only four remained intact. Yet a good part of them are now again in operation, and through a combination in the steel industry, the country is prepared for a greater export trade than ever before. Belgium is making steel rails for Great Britain, China, South America, and the Dutch East Indies, at prices much lower than those of competing mills in England. I have traveled all over the world, but I have never been able to get out of sight of Belgian goods, nor to find a country where Belgium did not have a part of its trade. Belgium has a great textile industry, which, before the Germans overran her, made goods for export to the amount of almost $80 million per annum. It had a big flax industry, including 25 factories making linen thread, or tow. The linen spindles numbered 375,000, and the cotton spindles more than one million and a half. These industries were much injured during the war, but both have made a rapid recovery. A great deal more flax has been planted on account of the loss of the Russian product, and the acreage has steadily increased. The woolen mills of Belgium were famous during the Middle Ages, and before the war, the country had 110 weaving mills, from which the Germans took a great part of the machinery. Much of this was brought back, and the industry is now handling more wool than ever. There are certain streams along which the mills are located whose waters give the Belgian wool a peculiar brilliancy and softness not found elsewhere on the continent. Before the Germans invaded Belgium, she was exporting glass of all kinds to nearly every part of the world. Liege was making more than 60 million pounds of table glass per annum, and it had one factory that produced, on the average, a quarter of a million pieces of glass every day. This factory began working again on the day of the armistice, and the industry as a whole has since practically equaled its former production. In plate glass, especially, Belgium was far ahead of the other countries of Europe. Most of its output went to England, Holland, and the United States. Not only has all this business been recovered, 
but the present exports exceed those antedating the German invasion. There are but a few straws which show how the winds of prosperity are blowing in Belgium. Nearly every industry is improving its plants, and there are combinations of capital and movements to develop foreign trade, which make the outlook better than ever. There is one other factor in the comeback of Belgium which deserves mention here. That is the Belgian dog. He is a live institution and must be, I am sure, responsible for the expression to work like a dog. The dogs are worked harder than any other animals. I see them hauling vegetable carts, pulling between shafts, or hitched to the axle. Sometimes they toil along side by side with a woman, and sometimes they do all the pulling themselves. Every man who runs a push cart has a dog to help him, and the milk cart is always drawn by one or more dogs. It is wonderful what the dogs pull and how well they work. I tested one at a dog market in Brussels. The owner wanted to sell him, and upon my asking a trial, he loaded 1,500 pounds upon the wagon, and the dog dragged it along the cobbled streets without overexertion. He said it could pull a ton. The Belgian dogs are usually in good condition. They are so valuable that they are often fed while their owners go hungry. End of chapter 17